Hello, everyone. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Hey, this is Aaron. I just wanted to do a quick PSA just to let you know that our podcast is actually looking for a new intro song. We're looking for about an original 30-second brass band composition. If you happen to be chosen, we'll invite you to be featured uh, as a guest on a bonus episode of the podcast, as well as you will get credit at the end of every podcast. So, if you're a composer or you're interested in maybe trying to compose for this, we have a, we have bands to record it. We just need the composition. So, if you're interested, please email uh, submissions to Amy at amyschumacherbliss at gmail. A m y s c h u m a k e r b l i s s at gmail. And if you need that information, we you can also find it on our website newworldbrass.com. But yeah, we thought it would just be great to feature some brass band music in the beginning of our podcast and as the exit outro. Um, But as you can imagine, when I was putting this together initially, there's not a lot of just like brass band music on uh, free-to-use podcast music websites. So hopefully we can find a great submission for you guys. I'm looking forward to all of your submissions. And anyway, let's get on with the show. have no idea we're supposed to get together again in about three weeks and i just i'm just waiting for people to call about the uniforms <laughs> the very people <laughs> one way they're either a lot smaller than they were or most of us are not smaller than we were <laughs> the last time we, yeah uh, concert concert black is a little more snug than i remember it being yeah, that's probably what we're going to be playing in <laughs> <laughs> that's funny well we're here with uh with lee harrelson tonight uh, we recorded, although I don't know when these are going to come out, I know that we recorded with Helen Harrelson last night and had a good time, though so we're looking forward to having some different conversations with the other Harrelson and talking about some of the things that he's an expert on and has perspective on. So welcome and thanks for coming in with us, Lee. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. Congratulations on this new project that you guys are doing. I think it's fantastic. Um, I, I will go ahead and apologize. You should play this before Helen's because I can assure you it will be nowhere near as uh, as good as hers. So. <laughs> uh, well, we'll we'll try. Give give it your best shot. She was pretty good, so it's 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 yeah. gonna be tough. So you know, do what you can. <laughs> so great job on setting him up there. It's gonna be tough, but yeah, I don't think you got it in you, but we'll do it anyway. So, right. <laughs> <all right. laughs> so, uh, so one of the, I think one of the reasons that I wanted to to bring Lee in here is because he is the founder of the Fountain City Brass Band, which is the premier British style brass band in the United States. And uh, I, I just wanted to pick his brain about it and talk about, you know, what the band is like, um, how it functions, how it used to function, how it's changed and evolved over the years and things like that. So uh, let's, let's get a little bit of a background about like the early days of, of the Fountain City Brass Band and how it started. Uh, well, it started. Um, I was a um, I was a graduate student at the University of Missouri at Kansas City, um, and one of my good friends uh, from when back when I went to school in Mississippi uh, was playing. In, uh, he found himself in Arkansas, and he was playing with uh, a natural state brass band down there, um, and they were going to Nava. I had no idea what Nava was. I kind of knew what brass band was, but not enough. Only because I had like Stephen Mead CDs and things like that, where um, well, there was brass band accompanying. And I mean, make a long story short, he and I met at the uh, St. Louis Arch because we were going to we were going to Cincinnati. That seemed like a a, a, a sensible place to meet. Meet, and we drove over. And I just remember the first time I heard it, it was actually, it was Brass Band of Central Florida was playing in, in the championship section. And at that time I was taking auditions. I was a finalist for three of the premier bands, like in, in the finals competition, something always happened for, for those jobs. But um, at that time, that was what I wanted to do. I was pretty much any euphonium player over here at that time. This is a long time ago. I mean, uh, that that was the I mean that was what you did if you wanted to make it as a euphonium player you you made it in a service band um but I remember hearing uh hearing 
the band play and I was just blown away by what I heard and I was thinking yeah I would much rather volunteer play in a band like that than you know solo with the marine band all the time and it, it worked out for both of us so uh, so I went back home and I went back to Kansas City and I was meeting with my private teacher and all and um, the famous thing that he always says that I said was I was uh, I was I was done with woodwinds at that point. So um, I, uh, you know, I just, I was like, well, why can't we have one of those in, in Kansas City? Um, and I, uh, I, at that time, I was tinkering whether should I stick around to work on my doctorate or uh, should I, uh, you know, go out and be a band director at that point. Um, and I said, well, I think I'll, I'll try the doctorate. And while, I, while I'm here, um, maybe I'll try to start that breath band. Uh, so I made up this cool letterhead. I had this really awesome business plan about how we would get to a certain point and we'd be able to pay people all this money. That kind of thing would have these gigs and everything. Um, yeah, that paper turned out not to be worth the uh, the ink it was, it was printed on as far as the, <laughs> as the payment goes. But uh, we, uh, you know, I, I, I sent out probably 50 or 60 letters to people, college teachers, to some of the area freelance players and then some of my friends at the conservatory and we got together in our early September of 2002 and we I will never forget the first the first notes we ever played was Canterbury Corral we played through it and the second time through that first uh phrase when uh the soprano player at the time playing a piccolo trumpet uh a gentleman by the name of Keith Benjamin uh I, I lost it I'm like I'm done this is awesome I want to do this for the rest of my life and you know each year we we kind of had people that that's that that wanted to keep doing it uh, even though they realized that my business plan was very flawed in the fact that I'm a pretty good musician have good ideas for things like that but I'm a terrible business person um, and you know we just kind of started building upon ourselves for a few years um, we we just had fun and my that first year we did six concerts which was a little ambitious and we did that for 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 several years we were based in Kansas City everyone lived here um, it was fantastic. I loved rehearsing every week. I still wish we rehearsed every week, but more importantly, I wished all my friends still lived in town so we could re rehearse um, every week. Um, so essentially, the Fountain City evolution went as each year we had uh, we had a few people that they stuck in the band. They were really good. And then, you know, you have some people that it didn't work out for them. They didn't like that. You, you kind of had a balance of the people that they're going to get paid if they want to, if they're going to play. And that's it. And I really jive with with the uh, the way the brass band works because there's not a lot of money in it, at least at least not in our band. Um, but we, uh, you know, we started playing. We had a good time. We started getting a little bit of following, and then we went to a competition. And that was as much as I hate to admit it was intoxicating. We loved it. <laughs> we loved just having something in it. And honestly, it's not so much the competition with the other bands as it was. It, we found a way that it's something that made us push ourselves uh, in a way that you just didn't have it, it, anymore. I mean, I've played several orchestra jobs and things like that, which I love. I mean, it's great, great music. I mean, gosh, so much great music. But I've never played anything that compared to some of the euphonium parts that we got to do in the, in, in brass band and <laughs> such. But uh, no, so we went along for for several years, play up until 2010. We played in we we rehearsed every week in Kansas City, took summers off, and then that's when uh, a lot of members started getting married, started having kids. Uh, a lot of my friends started moving away. They got, they were all, they almost all came through UMKC, which was that University of Missouri at Kansas City um, at one time. And we just had such a great relationship. What Once we moved on from, um, once they moved on, they still wanted to be in the band. And it got to be where we would, we would practice for a few weeks and then they would come in right at the end and play. And what I realized is like what I realized with my students. If you say there's going to be a performance on X date, then no matter what, life takes over and no one learned their music until about a week before that <laughs> X date. Um, so I was like, well, this is crazy. Why don't we just modify it? Why don't we just, and we, we, we are very fortunate in Fountain City to have good players um, that, that can 
get together for three or four days, do a series of concerts, get together a week or so, um, do a competition, that uh, that kind of thing. But that's kind of built over time. And it's built over time through um, <laughs> friendships, really. When a good player or a good, a good friend plays in the band, and we don't have openings that often, but when we do, they usually we know somebody that's wanted to do it for a long time so we invite them in one of the things that we've really taken up is and one of the one of the markets that's very good are young um professors or assistant professors associate professors those kind of people that are looking for tenure and promotion those kind of things uh they need to do things so um we have a lot of friends that are young we kind of reach out to those well back then we had friends that were young now we're the old people that show up to these things but um that you know we would just start inviting them hey would you, you want to come sit in for if for no other reason to expose them to brass band so they can take it back to another to their college their university they can go they can take it around um start kind of spreading the gospel if you will of the uh, of, of what we do what we all love having um having a great doing so it evolved we we now we get to a place um I finally got to send out an email about a week or so ago. Hey, gang, I think we're actually going to do this performance. It hasn't canceled. Uh, we're getting together on September 13th. We're going to rehearse for a few days. Uh, I picked a very short program, and uh, we're, we'll see everybody then. So essentially, that's how Fountain City evolved. Yeah. How long did it take before you were actually to get instruments to British instruments to play? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, when we first started, uh, we had French horns, we had um, trumpets, a few people had the kind of American style cornet that looks a lot like a trumpet, but it's conically bored. Um, that's kind of like the players, we like pick one or two up each year. I mean, the euphonium players, uh, we were fine. We had, a, we had our instruments. Back then I used to play a Wilson and it was a much smaller instrument. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm gonna play that big Besson now. So I moved to that and I'm currently looking for a smaller Besson to play at my old age. But uh, it's, um, it's, you know, baritones, uh, we, 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 well, we imported one. She, had, she, she owned one uh, when, when she showed up, but, um, you know those uh, we had we had a fellow that played um he's been to Nava several times has a brass band named pat stuckmeyer he had his own baritone uh, he said spent some time uh, was he out in england when you were out there amy um he he went to capital and graduated before i did so i did a year at capital with him and then he went over to the rncm Right. And actually, he was the one who convinced me to audition for the RNCM because we were we were on AIM Messenger or whatever it was oh, at the time. Yeah, and he well. was like, he was like, what are you doing for your senior recital? And I told him and he said, that's like audition repertoire for like for the RNCM. Um, so then that's when I that's when I emailed Steve and got hooked up with an audition when he was coming out for Brass Band of Battle Creek. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I Pat and I go way back. Yeah, so Pat had a baritone. Then uh, I think it was uh, University of Kansas bought one. I and <laughs> we used that one for a while. Um, so we had that tenor horns. Uh, our principal tenor horn player TJ, who's been principal horn player, the founding member of the group, um, he just bought one <laughs> from uh, pretty much from the from the beginning. Actually, I take that back. The first year he played rep, and then he made the mistake. But people, they actually shudder to do this. They'll mention sometimes, "Oh, I think I I, I can play tenor horn or something," and then they're like, "Oh, that's gonna make it back to Lee. You're done." <laughs> so, so um, that's how but, you, uh, you become a tenor horn player by missing a cornet section meeting. <laughs> So, so they, um, but TJ's like, man, I'll do it. I mean, he's a trumpet player, obviously. I mean, we found that the the more natural switch was euphonium players or trumpet players um, to to horn, uh, to tenor horn. Uh, we have had uh, we had some wonderful French horn players in the um, in the band for a while. But I mean, you know how it is. The first thing they want to do is play on the uh, play on with the little adapter kind of thing. And I mean, with anything else, I mean, like brass band, orchestral music, jazz music, whatever you're doing, it's a concept that you're dealing with, a mind concept of what of what you want the sound to sound like. Um, and TJ was ready to do that he was ready to commit to it and he's still piping away on the tenor horn um today um 
we uh, we just ended up essentially it was probably the first uh, few years um, we had players that couldn't, we didn't have room in the cornet section they still wanted to play or uh, they would do it and then we had actually a, a, another member of the band who still plays with us when she can Jenny Oktar um, she was a bassoon player also a euphonium player uh, who she just, I'll try it. I'll play it. It's fine. She just wanted to hang out. And she, she did. And she's played with the band probably 18 out of 20 years. She has a, 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 a unfortunate back situation that doesn't allow her to travel with us anymore. But uh, I, she's been a super member of the band uh, for most of, most of the time. Once people started seeing that, okay, if you want to be in the band, you have to have an instrument. Um, you buy them. And then we started making our own brass band players. We started those youth bands. And like now we, I think this next concert, there's five youth band players that are playing in, in, in the band and three of them are legit playing the whole season with us kind of, uh, kind of thing. So one of the things that's, that I think is unique about your, your band is it's one of the few bands in the United States that actually plays B flat and E flat tubas. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of difference. Yeah, um, <laughs> is that not a thing? <laughs> it's amazing when you get on that same fundamental. How if your tuba players don't have all their valves down, trying to play the root of many of our uh, our brass band chords. That uh, yeah, it, it makes a lot of difference. And you know, credit to Besson on that. They helped actually. They helped um, years ago years ago i played it in a tuba quartet called twisted still uh and we were uh, we were kind of we were best in artists and they maybe they, they let they made it so we could have some tubas things like that so i uh, one of the b flats is from that one of the e flats is, is from there we uh we bought one of the we bought well we since bought bought them well but um yeah that was that was that was a turning point in the band, really, the first time you played it. And Tony, you're a tuba player. I'm sure you are you under you know that those instruments, no tuba player over here like to play those B flats when they they get when they get on it. They just it's so different than the tubas that 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 we play. But I'll never forget, this is a great story, it's worth sharing with you. Um, the first day those B flats showed up at my apartment. Well, one of the B flats showed up at the apartment. Helen had just moved over. She was was doing a um she was on she was on her sabbatical actually and this thing shows up and tj the tenor horn player trumpet player was at my house and so we, this huge box comes open we get we open it up and i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna have a go on it i couldn't do anything could get any sound out of this thing tj <laughs> nothing it's not happening well like, this thing sucks something wrong with it and then helen comes on <laughs> comes in something wrong with this one it's you <laughs> yeah it's definitely me which has been a theme in our relationship for, <laughs> for a while <laughs> but uh, no it was i it really is it's it's different but they still fight me my b-flat tuba players one of our b-flat tuba players Phenomenal musician named Brian Dobbins. He teaches at uh, the University of Oklahoma. And, you know, you look, it's easy to look at Fountain City. And I would too, if I were an outsider and go, look at all these players they got. Come on, man, bringing in these ringers, kind of things like that. I totally get it. But those people love brass band just like anything else. This Brian Dobbins was, a, he was a member of the Santa Fe Symphony. And, it, he came, he played with the band one time kind of thing. We needed somebody to play with us. He taught down near one of our, our friends. And so Brian comes up and he plays one time. He emails me the next week and he says, hey, is it possible I can play with the band again? And we're like, you can play with the band anytime you want. I mean, because he's about, I don't know, seven foot tall. He's massive dude and even a bigger sweetheart. But um, he, so um, I, it comes around to the next year and he says, hey, um, is it, do you have an opening for the, for the season? And I say, oh, yeah, we do. And he's, no, I'm serious because uh, I can only do one extracurricular kind of thing for my teaching. I can either keep playing in that symphony that paid him to go play or I'd like to play in the brass band, uh, that, that kind of thing. So he's been a member for years now. Pays his way, drives up from uh, from uh, 
Norman, Oklahoma, every uh, every time we get together, uh, that kind of thing. Um, so he is so, hates the that B flat tuba so much, though he's an he's an an Eastman uh, uh, performer, and apparently he has them. He, he's just sent me an email today saying, "Hey, I uh, I think they're ready on their B flat. I'm going to bring it up and try it out because." He, he keeps asking me, can I play it? Can I play it? And I'm like, as soon as you guys bring anything in that sounds better than those Bessons back there, no problem. You're welcome are, to play it. Are they bringing the three in one compensating? The one he's bringing up isn't the three in one, isn't the, I think it's, I'm not sure exactly. I don't want to, I don't want to say what it is, but yes, they're working on three in one compensating a whole set. Let me ask you a question. Would it matter to you if it was just a, uh, you know, a, a left facing B flat tuba? And then it, E-flat tubes, would it matter? Or does it have to be like the traditional British look with the... the, the I don't, it, to me, it, the look doesn't matter. The sound matters to, to, to me. Um, the the B-flat tube is that the, all the ones I've heard that are the ones like you, you talk about thus far have been lighter sounds. They, they, they don't have that weight. And it could just be because those massive B-flats weigh a ton, what they're made out of. But we ha haven't had anything that really feels like it has the grounding that those that those do to this point. Yeah, I, I oddly, it's probably not odd me being a tuba player and a brass band director, but I do think about this quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the difference between B-flat and E-flat and what we use in triangle is C and F. Yeah. Because that's what the that's what the players do, and it was it was funny. I had um, Philip Harper in here. It was a couple of years ago now because yeah. of COVID, um, and I and I, I specifically asked him. I said, "I want you to let me know what you think about the sound that the tubas get compared to, you know, what the B flat E flat thing is." And the only thing I could get out of him was that you tuba players play great. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, they I, play great, I want, I want, but they you know. but they play too, but they don't play bass. And as you know, that's quite right. a bit of difference. Yeah, in, so, in, in but, the brass band, and I think that again, that mental concept is is just different. I mean, you're you got to think more like an orchestral bass player, I think, than you do an orchestral tuba player if you're playing in brass band. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I couldn't get him locked down on him like, man, you need to get B-flat tubas because I was hoping he would say, look, you got to get B-flat and E-flat tubas so I could go to my board and say, we got to get some B-flat and E-flat tubas. You know, <laughs> it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty hefty purchase to get those. Those things are so expensive now. Oh, especially now, any brass instruments. Yeah. Astronomical. So, yeah, so so it's something that I'm, I'm investigating. I actually have my B-flat bases now interested in playing B-flat tubas. So, you know, so they're at least they have the mentality where like, yeah, we'll do that. You know, it's just a matter of finding the instruments. And then the, the F tuba is the, switching the E flat is going to be a little bit more of a thing. Um, you know, I'd rather have the player than him, you know, and him, if he's an F tuba player, I'd rather have the player than the, than the instrument for now. Sure. You know, we were kind of fortunate when during, during that time, when we were transitioning to the B flats and E flats, that's when, I mean, Pat Sheridan was all over the place playing tuba, playing that little Besson E flat front action um, E flat tuba. So it was, it was all right. That's, and not, that's not, legit his. Is it? That's his. That? Yeah. That's his E flat. That? Yep. Nice. I I bought it from Kale it. like three years ago, and he does know I have it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did, did you get it autographed? Not well. There's plenty of dents if you want to count that that I didn't put in it. No, yeah. I, I think if you had a, a, like a permanent sharpie marker and past signature on there, you could get an extra fifty bucks for it when you sell it. <laughs> I'll be doing like I'll be doing like breathing gym with my kids, and they'll see like a bumblebee photo of him holding the thing or whatever, and they'll be like, "That tuba looks familiar." I'm like, "It does, doesn't it?" You're right. <laughs> and Pat was a founding board member of Fountain City. Oh, you kidding? For, for a long time, yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he was actually, actually, Tony, the first time we were going to go to the North American Brass Band Championships, um, he was going to be our conductor. Um, but our invitation was uh, one day late. It was sent back to us. Um no thanks <laughs> so i still have that check by the way framed somewhere oh you you nearby. mean that you missed you missed the deadline to apply to get into the competition yeah <laughs> it turned you down oh yeah huh 
Yeah. Oh, it's all right. Hey, it was a day late. I don't think it was, but it, but it doesn't matter. It's not. It's, but Pat was going to be our conductor that, that at that competition the first time. And we'd have got destroyed, but still, it'd have been fun. <laughs> so, but now he he he. That was kind of. I guess that was the thing that got him really into brass bands. I know he was doing some work at um, out at. Uh, at, uh, at the northern and Inglewood Northern College in England, he was he was doing some residencies there, and he was playing in Battle Creek a little bit um, at the time. But uh, no, he we we had a really good relationship. Um, we still yeah. have a great relationship with Pat. But, I think when he yeah. got out to Arizona, he got Sam got him in with uh, the Salt River Brass Band out there. He did, and I remember going to one of their concerts at um, oh gosh, it was at an iTech. Yeah, it was 2010, and you could tell this was a tuba player who um, who <laughs> who was running this thing because the whole concert was pedaled the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I would, if I could only get my, one of my tuba players to play everything down an octave, I'd probably be the happiest conductor ever. I was like, "Could somebody please, someone play something down an octave?" This I'm pretty sure it was Sam Palafian playing it down an octave. So legit, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Yeah, Sam, Sam's an E-flat player. He doesn't play that low anymore. Well, <laughs> or, or, sorry, Pat. Pat. Yeah. <laughs> Edit that out, Aaron. <laughs> so I got a note from Aaron about we should probably make an, uh, a fast transition here. We probably geeked out on tuba talk for way too long. Um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but we do, we do need to talk about um, the U.S. Open a little sure. bit um you know talk about how you got involved in in uh with fountain city and running the u.s open well i i think the first thing i would like to say to that is fountain city is not running the u.s open the thing i try to do most is separate myself which is very difficult to do from fountain city and running the u.s open because uh, i can assure you they have to apply by or they have to play by the same rules as everyone else i um how I it came about the U.S. Open is I kind of just nagged the um, Clark and Dallas Nearmeyer for uh, for a while. Um, there, um, I don't I, for whatever reason there were less bands coming to it, and uh, when it was in Chicago, and they were um, they were hesitant to to let it go, try something else. But in the end, they were willing. I, maybe it was just to shut me up. But um, I, um, you know, I, so I, what I did is I essentially, I said, look, let's try it for three years. Um, at, the, at, at the end of the three years, if, it, if it's not, it looks like it's, it catches any traction um, down in, in Kansas City, then ah, we let it go. Well, whatever, you can do what you, um, what you want with it. But um, so the first year we did it, we did it in, um, we did it in Lawrence, the University of Kansas in the Lead Center, which is a beautiful place. We ended up having, I think about eight bands that came to it, which is pretty good for that competition. Um, and, uh, you know, it went really well. We were, we were, we were gaining some momentum and then like everything else, the world came to a halt. We didn't have it last year. Um, we're scheduled to have it this year at UMKC, uh, at University of Missouri, Kansas City. Um, uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving. Again, I mean, we're 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 hopeful that things will that it that we'll be able to have it. We're optimistic that bands will will come. We certainly understand that bands are still just now getting back together. Some bands are not comfortable enough to get drive across country, much less get on a bus with each other um, um, at, at this point. But um, no, we I love the entertainment competitions always have when we've went over to like brass and concert things like that that's one thing that i don't think uh, any bands do better than the u.s bands when it comes to to, to entertainment i mean now they may not play in such a way that you know Corey plays brighouse plays Bowdens, those monster bands over there but if you've ever heard those bands and i i don't mind saying it try to play malaguena or something like that they don't have the, the background that we have in, in coming up through high school jazz bands, things like that, playing those that in that style. I often um, joke with my British friends that, um, oh gosh, when you guys play like Brass Machine and things like that, um, I assume the way I feel is the way you feel when we try to play a test piece. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> when, 
<laughs> we were playing when we were playing Phil Wilby's jazz. We were like, so with the jazz, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, are we supposed to play this like Americans playing jazz, or are we supposed exactly. to be playing this like Americans playing, you know, jazz as Phil Wilby envisions it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. And it's a legit question. And it's one of the things that I think that has, I mean, like if you watch brass in concert, since our bands have started going over there, like they've, they've done more things. They do more choreography. They do more memorization. They're, they're, they're stretching their boundaries on that thing. And that's one of the things that I really feel like the North American banding scene has really contributed to the global banding scene. So I, I it, they didn't know if the U.S. Open was going to happen. I, come on, let's just, let me, let me try. Let me give it a shot. Uh, so um, unfortunately, two of the at least one and a half of the years hasn't 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 um, been that great of a situation to do it in. But we still have good sponsors. We have uh, we have a lot of bands that um, are in our area. I think we'll be able to to have the competition. Whether we have a lot of a lot of those outside bands that that come in. And one of the things I thought was really important is that we expand that competition to have more than one one division because they, there's so many great bands out there that they don't want to come compete against that this crazy I already for instance our youth band competes in the same competition as as Fountain City that's that's um well being perfectly candid if they wanted to they could probably smoke us in entertainment and it's more me wanting to get uh stay stay out of their way than uh <laughs> then I'm scared that they would uh that we we couldn't beat them but um it's a uh, you know I just think it's a great a great platform for growth of uh, of new music new arrangements um just innovation and I didn't want to see it go away so I asked could I help uh, well, I mean, it, after the first year, it seemed like it was a it was a good thing, and then COVID. So who knows when it's going to come out of it? So does your three year deal with the Niermeyers? Um, did you count one year as going through and two years right. off don't count as anything? So you've got two more years, or is oh no, I'll have to I'll have to talk to them about it <laughs> and 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 see. Well, like, Jesus, Lee, you haven't done anything with this. You did one contest and you blew it off. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, be, but being perfectly honest, I would love to see the U.S. Open uh, thriving and me not be the person that's running it. <laughs> so uh, just, just because <laughs> I love going to it. I, lo I, I, I love competing in that competition. I love preparing for it. I love arranging the music for it. And I hate to think anyone thinks, oh, well, look, Lee Harrelson's running a competition at Fountain City's going to be in. That should be nice. <laughs> so why bring your band to that? It's all it's all tied up when when it's uh, it, it, it's certainly not. But um, I think having that at least having that second uh, that second section. Yeah, yeah I, I think we'll, if, we'll any, if anybody really knows you, Lee, I think they they know um that that you're as genuine a brass band person as there is. All you really want to do is spread brass bands. That's it. You know, and because so you, you you love it and have such a passion for it, you just want other people to, to share that with you. And and you're not really very competitive in terms of you know like oh well we have to to model our band this way so that we can win competitions. It's really about the truth aspect of brass banding, which is the friendships that you've made yeah, the community. Years. Absolutely. Together. No, and I, uh, I, I always like to point out that, like, the last time Fountain City uh, won NABA four times in a row was when we played together all the time. It's much more difficult doing it the other way, but it doesn't matter. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for a 50-year winning streak or whatever like that because I know that week I'm getting I'm going to get to hang out with my best friends. That that, that kind of thing. We're going to make music together. We're going to we have a shared common vision and goal, and that's the most important part. Like I said, I would I definitely think that if you can have a group that plays together and it works for you, then rehearse every week you'll be better for it like i i know like my band's never going to get to the level of a quarry of uh, uh black night bands that kind of things playing three or four times a year together it's not going to happen it just yeah. doesn't matter <laughs> just, to, that's not why we do it you have to play two times a week for that to happen yeah yeah and then <laughs> yeah and then throw on top of that 150 years of tradition <laughs> so <laughs> you have that that's that baked in there a little bit 
We've only got another century and a half to go. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'll make that one, but I'll have fun trying. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I, we love doing it. You know, the thing that I try to, any time that I go out and I do these things, as it always, the question comes up, you know, you know how, what would you, if someone was wanting to start a brass band, what would you tell them? You know, if they wanted to start the next Fountain City or something like that. And it's always like, you don't worry about that. You find what works for you, what works for your group. Bands are like people. They're different. They're, they're different wherever they are. And I, I think if we try to pigeonhole one certain thing, uh, you know, you must do it this way to do this, um, then all the, lots of arguments and lots of different uh, uh, wars and everything else have been started over over ideals, ideals like that. So we... Uh, just do just do what you do and you know have fun doing it yeah would you ever start another brass band no. <laughs> 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 oh the i think the uh the uh, the only brass band we keep we joke about is uh well helen she may have mentioned it in hers but she she used to say that she was gonna she was in england we're gonna start the four bars rest home um brass band essentially but so we we joke about starting the Fountain City Silver Band one day when uh, we can't play all that hard music anymore. We just want to go uh, go show up to the competitions or whatever, and you know talk about when we had a band and that kind of thing, and go let our youth bands kick our butts in the fourth section. <laughs> so, but that's a that's a day or two down the down the road, hopefully. That's funny, but you you don't really have to start a band for that. You can just keep Fountain City together. Eventually, you'll get there. <laughs> oh yeah, but we keep getting these young kids coming out. They're hungry as anything. Like those youth band kids when they come in, they like they 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 want to do all the stuff. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, yeah, we we get a. I'm, you know, I see it, and it's like you can kind of tell through the band. You're like, all right, if we make a change, it's probably going to be this person. Eventually, it's going to be my turn. <laughs> so. I mean, I'm going to second baritone and third cornet first. That's where I intend to retire. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as you're the artistic director, it's going to be harder for them to get rid of you. It, it, hey, but it, as you said, I'm pretty straight about that kind of stuff. When it's time to make a change, it's time to make a change. So. Yeah. Gary Jones and Brass Band right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd fire myself. <laughs> awesome. I've thought about it several times. <laughs> Well, it's not time yet, man. You got too good a thing going. Oh no, we 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 have a much like everybody else. We have a great time doing it, and we're just really thankful for the opportunities when we get to do it. We're thankful for people to put together those festivals and competitions. I we're really looking forward next summer to playing at the International Trombone Festival. We're going to do their uh, um, yeah their their gala concert with uh, some really stunning stunning. Um, soloist and that's just going to be a marvelous opportunity because so many of those trombones will never heard a brass band and we that's like our really favorite thing to do to go and we've been fortunate enough to do it with the tuba tuba conference a couple times and i mean i've always said i thought that you know brass bands are going to be started by tuba euphonium players especially euphonium players because they ain't like they're turning down gigs all the time um <laughs> but uh I need something to do. It's great. Not music, be, but trumpet players. It won't be trumpet players. No, no. Anyone that started a band, though, that's the most difficult thing. They're like they're used to getting their hundred dollars for going hacking through somebody's wedding or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I genuinely am thrilled about this opportunity to um, to go and play at the trombone festival because, again, so many of them. This will be the first time they've heard it, and then I hopefully. That'll inspire some of them to, you know, get get involved, seek out a band. Yeah, well, that's a that's a good place to to end it and shift over to our question of the week that uh -oh. Aaron prepared for us. Yeah, uh oh. Yeah, I actually prepared this one. I thought about this one oh. uh, this morning, <laughs> over over many many. You know, there was a there was a priority list of what I wanted to do, and that just didn't happen. No, um. So the question is, and I'll start us off this time. Uh, what is the furthest that you think you've traveled for a brass band gig? Uh, and that's for, and this is for all of us. So we'll go around the circle. Oh, the, oh, that would have to be the Netherlands. We were, was that with uh, you? Was that with Fountain City, or was that yeah. just to go do it? 
Oh yeah, no other brass bands asked me to play with them. If I played with a brass band, it's pretty much. <laughs> I did play with the Mighty Eagly Band though at Whit Friday one year. I shouldn't should miss that out. So they are. I, that was that was that was super fun. I they're they're a sweetheart group of people in uh, in England. They they do Whit Friday, and uh, you know they were super excited to have you know. Lee Harrelson's coming. This uh, this this really good euphonium player from America. Never mind that they've got like students that outplay any of us over there. But uh, then the first thing we do, we sat down, we played a hymn, and they called what I heard was number eighteen, but apparently it was number eighty. Um, but either way, <laughs> I started. So that was my first experience with a real British brass band. And that, and then we went because we're doing Whit Friday. We went to the marching rehearsal, and I thought, ah, right, this would be good. I'll hold my arm here. So what we did is we picked all our stuff up. We went outside. We got in a line. We played the march. We came back inside. There was no marching whatsoever. Did you even march? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see if you could do it in a block. <laughs> yep, that was it. Went outside. We're going outside <laughs> and practice now. So that was really fun. But now, yeah, I would for brass band. Uh, we did, oh, I can't remember the name right off of the competition over there. The uh, World Brass Band Championship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, it wasn't World Brass Band Championship. Oh, what is it? It was, uh, oh, come what on. Was it's in, it's in Kirkarada? Uh, no, this one is. Oh, in, not that one? No, it's, a, you, we, you don't, we don't really hear about it too much uh, because the, we went to this competition and I was, I, Brass Band Schoonoven was there. They blew everybody away. Um, there was a Brass Band Heist was there. Uh, Bert Van Tynan was the conductor. Um, some really great bands. And we were excited because this was like test piece. The and, Dutch Open Brass Band? No, what is it called? Uh, I'm going through Google now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Dutch. It's not the Dutch Nationals because you wouldn't, because that was in Belgium. I think it's in Belgium. Oh, it's in Belgium. Well, I was, yeah. I was looking. For, okay. Okay. So, we went all around that there with lots of places. I don't know. Geography is not my thing. Or geology is not my thing. Geology, or geography? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did that first on purpose, Tony. If you hear me, I said geography first. But um, the, so. the, the rock formations of Belgium. <laughs> so, we went, so we went to this competition and literally they're like this sounds like our kind of competition because it's test piece one day and then an entertainment competition the next so we did the test piece and we did okay and then so we get to the entertainment competition we're like yeah here we go we're gonna hold our own on this and it's blind adjudicated and there's microphones set up we do all the fountain city sets going around looking all slick and everything and i just remember talking to glenn van loy afterwards a really great euphonium player and I, I, I thought this was an entertainment competition and his quote was it is just no one ever does anything entertaining so <laughs> essentially it was just they're playing concert work. how do you do an entertainment contest blind <laughs> well we did it and they didn't see it. That's how that went. <laughs> so, they're probably just like, yeah, this just sounds weird. You're both clacking around and everything. That's insane. What was the name of that? Eurobrass. Eurobrass Championships. That was oh, it. okay. Did it fold? I don't know. Um, there were a lot of bands. There were a lot of sections there. Uh, Eurobrass dropped it. That's where it was. Uh, so yeah, that was a, and I think the people that run that, uh, I'm almost positive, are involved with World Brass Band Championships with Yappy Dykstra, because when I see him at Midwest or anything, he's like, hey, we, are you, you going to come do it? <laughs> it just never has worked out for us to do that, that competition yet. Yeah, that, that is a long way to go. Where'd you go? Probably. Greensboro? anywhere <laughs> like we're in the armpit of of the world here in north carolina it's it's 10 hours to go anywhere uh cincinnati and louisville were seven and a half to eight hours um you know i think fort wayne was probably the the, the longest that was 13 to 14 hours. well to be honest it took me as long to get to fort wayne as it did to belgium so <laughs> <laughs> Did you go the wrong way? Did you get lost? No, it's a long way. It's from Kansas City. <laughs> I took the I took the band, the youth band, to um, Connecticut one year. 
we we couldn't make it to Nava, so instead there was a conflict with that. So instead we went on a tour to we played with the Coast Guard Brass Ensemble. Oh, cool! Um, up there, now uh, James Jackson is a voting uh, oh, yeah. band. is classmate of mine at Kentucky, and and we set something up with him, and we split a concert with the Coast Guard Brass Band Brass Ensemble. It was awesome. We did a concert oh, yeah. with the brass band up there. So we did like a mini tour. We did like a three day tour. We saw the Philadelphia Orchestra, and Carol Yonge, you know, brought the kids, you know, together and talked to them and did a Q and A with them. It was a pretty, it was a pretty cool tour, you know, since we didn't get to go to Nava, but um, I don't think that was quite as far as Fort Wayne. I think Fort Wayne was, yeah. there. but that, that was tough. That's a tough drive. We did that. We did the first time we went to Fort Wayne, we did it on, we put the whole band on a bus and never again. <laughs> um, it was just, it was just too much. It was just too long for, you know, the age of the group to, sit on a bus for that long it's you know you can do it in a car when it's a lot more comfortable and you can stop and do breaks and stuff like that or fly which most of our band does now is they just fly yeah all right get out all right you got an extra guest yeah that's great dc she wants to go outside but uh yeah that's funny you mentioned that uh getting to hear Carol uh, give her give her presentation to the kids. The last time I ever saw her was 20 years ago. It's uh, ironically the same conference that I met Helen at. And actually the week before we were at the Leaxa Brass Week with the quartet that I played with at the time. And there was just this bratty, bratty little teenage girl that just kept wanting to hang around everybody and do everything. Just do everything. And Roger Bobo, man, oh, she was attached at the hip of everything. And then we heard her play like it that age is like oh my gosh <laughs> so uh, never mentioned that since, since but yeah like yeah we'll we'll be hearing about her one day but yeah she was a, she was a hyper kid <laughs> fantastic one of the nicest people you know so she was really she was really nice to do that for the band and for sure you know so that was pretty cool uh amy did you answer the question yet I have not. I mean, when when you guys were talking about driving, um, driving wise, I mean, the, the longest trip was going to the U.S. Open because uh, I was just looking it up. Uh, and from Glassboro, New Jersey, uh, it's 12 and a half hours. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, and, and to Fort Wayne, uh, I think is closer than Chicago. Sure. Uh, Fort Wayne is, is like 10 off the top of my head. Uh, so we always had like, we always all like, I think for the open, we had a, we had a bus, but we usually all go our own way. And there's usually like a party van with like the young guys. Uh, and, uh, I, I, I did take the party van for several years, but then, uh, I kind of aged out. <laughs> well, it used to be at the open. The brass band of uh, Eastern Iowa would bring the party van. They would literally drive this tenement on wheels to this competition and <laughs> bless them. I had a good yeah. time with it. But <laughs> it was, yeah, no, I remember those days. Uh, yeah. And then, I think the furthest, the further, the actual distance would have to be to, to Kirkrata for the World Brass Band mm. uh, Championships. Uh, it was a great, great trip. Um, we we failed miserably at the the competition. We did not, we we did not, we were not prepared. We we didn't, uh, and uh, so we had a good time. But the best time was actually there's a there's a priory um, right outside of the town. I don't know if you have been there, Lee, or heard about no. it. But it's it's I forget what it's called. But there's I mean you look up a priory. I mean it's <laughs> you're gonna be able to right. find it. Um, cause it, you know, they're not like everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was like a, something like a, like a, there was a part of the building with a chapel that was like 12th, 13th century, something like that. Right. <laughs> and we, we were allowed to walk in and then, um, we asked one of the monks, uh, you know, can we like, can we play in here? <laughs> and, and they said, they said, sure. You know, just, we, we asked that you're, you know, respectful of the space. So we said, absolutely. Sure. So we went in and we played the brass band arrangement of Amazing Grace in there. Oh, that'd be um, awesome. And it, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was a that was a better memory than than the competition itself. Uh, because that was really special for 
for all of us. Uh, so yeah, Kirkrad is a great place. If you ever do go to the world brass band championship, they, they take people, um, you can stay at the, you can stay at the Priory and it, it is absolutely beautiful. Oh, keep that in mind. Thank you. Yeah. So that's, those are my two answers. Okay. Aaron, have you answered? I have not. Uh, longest distance was Orlando to, to Fort Wayne. That was always a pain in the butt. Cause we would have to go from Orlando to Chicago, then rent a bus as a band because we were always afraid of like doing extra stops with instruments and stuff like that. So we go to to Chicago and then over to Fort Wayne, but longest drive. Cause Kevin was all about us always going as a group when I was at JMU. So Steve's and also he likes to make about 80 stops. So it took us like 14 <laughs> hours to go from Harrisonburg, Virginia to um, Grand Rapids, Michigan when it was there. Mm. And that, that, and that was also the, the, the night that I was ruined on wine. That was the trip back. And so that was definitely what felt like the longest car ride or bus ride I will ever be on. Uh-huh. Does Kevin stop and like, like go to historical landmarks and overlooks and scenic overlooks and stop and look and enjoy the views or what? what? No, we just, he just like, we go to the, he like just casually like goes like, goes to the we'll go to the bathroom but it'll take us like 20 minutes to do it like he'll stop at a place and like we like he'll be like he'll literally like it, it's like you're going on a road trip with with granddad is kind of how it is like it, it's really how it feels and he's not i'm not necessarily calling him old it's just the old man vibes of the road trip kind of a thing and i think it's because he, he you know he's had ryan he's had brandon he's had now anna so he's had enough kids that he's like i'm done with trying to be fast and on time I'm just gonna enjoy the trip as best as humanly possible, and I think that's what he—that's what why he does that that way, as opposed to like fight it and be stressed about it. He just says we're just gonna take a whole day before we get to our hotel, and he just—he just takes us there. But it's cool. They do. Uh, I think they still do it. The JMU Brass Band does a very intense rock paper scissors tournament while on the bus, and it is very intense, and it is storied. There are legends from that from the Naba trip on that bus so there are worse times to be had it's fine since, since we, uh, we name all these things often remember the uh, friends remember the the rock paper scissors friends thing oh yeah <laughs> like like rock paper scissors and and joey does this like what, what is that he goes it's fire <laughs> <laughs> except it was a little bit more colorful than that because it, it, it was in the outtakes it was that was very funny. If you haven't seen the Friends reunion special, you should check it out. It's really funny. It's on HBO Max. If you have AT&T, you get free HBO. So I do. Yeah. You should get free HBO. We only watch animated things now. So, yeah. One day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a late night one, I guess. Well, hey, we're going to wrap this up now. Lee, uh, thanks for joining us on this. This was a lot of fun. Anytime. I think, I think, I think so one much. of the things we need to do like in the future, like a couple months from now,